Hey everyone, welcome to Her Life Anew podcast. I am your host, Jade. This podcast is about rising up generations of women from a lukewarm faith to being on fire for God. I will discuss issues like alcoholism, abuse, becoming a widow and a single mom, but also the heart and character of God and how through Him we don't just live our lives, but live out of an overflow of His grace and favor. This is not your cookie-cutter Jesus podcast. We will get vulnerable and convicted, but with that comes living a life anew. Uh, Today's episode is going to be a little more personal. Um, I want to actually tell you all my testimony. Um, which is really what has brought me to doing this podcast. Um, I will just say that we do get into some deep topics um, that a lot of people don't know about or don't want to talk about. Uh, We're talking about abuse, demonic oppression, But there's a good ending, I promise. I will also preface with anyone who may be listening to this that knew my husband. Uh, I'm going to give a lot of information and it may not be something you want to hear. It may make you angry. but to be honest I don't care (laughs) Um, this is my testimony and every testimony is meant to be shared if you have had some sort of testimony in your life and you haven't shared it with somebody uh, you're really holding back on what God can do in your life in other people's lives so I just encourage you to share whatever he's done for you so where to start um I wanted to just throw in this little tidbit it really doesn't have to do with my testimony but I do feel it's important for anyone who is single or dating when you are a Christian and you're dating somebody, uh, obviously the Bible says that you need to be equally yoked, but make sure that you're not just going by their words, that they just say they're a Christian and that they go to church or that they grew up in church. Make sure that you see the fruit and give it time to see the fruit to make sure that it's authentic. I just wanted to throw that in there. (laughs) So, um, Matt and I got married in 2016. Um, we had Jackson in 2018. And I would say things really started 
to go downhill after we had Jackson. And I don't want to discourage you if you don't have kids. I don't want that to be a discouragement for not having kids. Absolutely had nothing to do with Jackson. That had to do with myself and Matt. Um, but prior to having Jackson, I worked at a vet clinic. I uh, was an RBT for several years. And after I had Jackson, I just absolutely could not imagine sending him to a daycare with strangers, with people I didn't know, especially with the horror stories and things that I had heard. I mean, there was just no way. So thankfully, I was able to still work a little part-time with the vet practice doing their marketing things and social media, which I was super grateful for. I was able to do that from home. But because we had a huge drop in income, um, obviously Matt took on a whole lot more hours at work, which I appreciated and understood uh, what kind of sacrifice he was doing to make sure that I was able to stay home from Jack, stay home with Jackson. Um, so I understood that he was working a lot and he was exhausted. Um, but we just were, it just seemed like we were always in this place of he worked and I did everything else. Um, which I still understood to a certain extent. I was home, so I was, you know, keeping up with the house and cooking and taking care of Jackson, all that good stuff. I understood that and never complained about that because I was home. Um, but where I think a lot of men lose, lose, on that connection with their wife is uh, really become a second child. Um, you think your only responsibility is making money and providing, which obviously is very important and is a huge task. I don't want to belittle that at all, but your wife and your kids still need you. And um, he just couldn't handle that. So that just created, I could definitely go down a rabbit hole with that, but that just created a lot of strife in our house because I was exhausted from taking care of literally everything else and he was going to work. Um, I got no help with Jackson and no help in any other department besides his providing. So that was hard, and it just created a lot of fights uh, and created a distance. So that's kind of like just the very beginning of, really, I would say, typical marital issues. I feel like I hear that a lot, um, that that happens at homes, which is unfortunate. Um... So let's fast track to, so Matt is working at a distillery, a bourbon distillery, and um, 
he's having conflict with this guy at his work. Uh, where the guy is actually being manipulative and setting him up to try and get Matt fired. Um, which is just a crazy story in itself. But this eventually leads to... Well, let me back up. So the job that he was doing at the distillery was actually working with wood. And he realized that he had a natural talent with working with wood. So, um, he actually quit his job and started doing some woodworking with bourbon barrels on the side, just full force, went for it, which I supported. Um, he, he was, he was very talented and it really just, maybe it was just a, hidden talent. He never knew he had it, but it just came out of nowhere. And he was really gifted. But what this led to was him not being able to have any discipline for himself in timing. The time that he spent out in our garage working on all these things. Uh, he had no uh, sense of discipline and just knowing when to stop. And I'll also just throw in there that he was on Adderall, ADHD medication, um, which I will also just side note, if you are on that stuff, get off of it immediately. No one should ever be prescribed that medication. But he was on this medication and he overtook it all the time. He abused it every day. Um, he had an, a, very, a very addictive personality. Anyone that knows Matt knows that whatever he got into, he went, went into it 200%. Um, so when he got into this woodworking and realized that he had a gift for it, he went into it the same way he does anything else. But he would overtake his Adderall and would stay up for three days in a row and then sleep for two days. Uh, and obviously that doesn't really work when you have a family. So that just continued to call, cause issues. Um, this eventually turned into him practically living in the garage. I mean, he hardly ever came into the house unless he was going to the bathroom or wanted a drink or whatever. Um, he practically lived in the garage. Sometimes he even slept out there. And I did not tell him to do that. <laughs> but he... I mean, he just lived and breathed the woodworking. Um, and just, that's, that's what he cared about. Now, obviously, he would say that he was doing it for our future and for Jackson's future. But what he could never realize is that 
I'm sorry. I tell you what, when it comes to my son, that's what gets my emotions. <sighs> he can never realize that what Jackson really needed for his future was a good dad. A present dad. And that's what I tried to tell him all the time. <laughs> and sometimes he would act like he agreed. But he never acted on it. And as Jackson's mom, that made me despise him. I had a really hard time trying to maintain the role of his wife when he couldn't be a dad. So, so obviously as he's working in the garage, you know, he would listen to music. Totally, I mean, obviously a to totally normal thing. He would listen to loud music all the time. Um, but I could just tell some sort of flip had been oh I just said that backwards <laughs> some sort of switch had been flipped something had changed in him um, and I could just tell something was going on but I was still in my lukewarm state of my faith that everything he did I was taking it personally mentally emotionally through my flesh and was never was never considering it to be spiritual so <clears throat> he was someone who drank beer every now and then you know he would do it occasionally then it increased amounts where he would drink maybe a case a day. And then it turned into drinking whiskey. So he's taking Adderall. He's drinking whiskey every day, which obviously you're not supposed to mix the two. Um, and it just increased and increased over time. I mean, eventually he would he would drink... I think at times I would see he would drink a gallon of whiskey a day. Now, maybe that was spread out throughout the entire day, but still, your average person would probably be on their deathbed if they drank a gallon of whiskey. Um, I know I would. <laughs> I would definitely be in the hospital. Um, so, obviously, all of these things are not, they're all... All of these things combined are obviously not good things. We got Adderall, we got whiskey, we got um, demonic music, um, 
um, you know, we got fighting between the marriage, just all of these things combined is, uh, not, not a good combination. So, um, obviously we had fights all the time. Um, he blamed me for everything, um, which, you know, looking back, obviously I can see that he's, he's just deflecting the pain and shame that he had, but he was deflecting it on me. He told me all the time that if it wasn't for Jackson, he would kill himself. Which obviously was not a fair thing to say. Um, and I think really, do I think he would do it? No. But I do think he was trying to get some sort of major reaction emotion out of me. Now, obviously that bothered me. I mean, I would, nobody wants to hear their husband say that they would be dead if it wasn't for their kid. I mean, that's a terrible thing to hear. <clears throat> but I, just knowing him, I think he was reaching for a major reaction out of me. And sometimes he got it. So, this is really just a daily thing. Um, you know, he's practically living in the garage. He's drinking loud, large amounts of whiskey every day over abusing his Adderall. Um, he would get some pills from other people. Uh, you know, and I would, I would find the bottles. I'd see their names on the bottles so I know who it was. Uh, I went through his phone when he was sleeping and I could see his messages so I know at least two people who he got pills from. Um... I did go in there and try and block those numbers so he couldn't message him, but then he would just use Facebook or Snapchat or something. So, um, so this is just a daily occurrence for a long time. There was a lot, there was a lot of pain in that house for a long time. My son probably joy. But I was em emotionally and mentally drained every day. So Let's start getting to the better parts. <laughs> so I'm I'm going to a church, just a regular non-denominational church. But it just wasn't it. I knew it wasn't it. I knew there's a lot more in the Bible that I needed to learn. And there was just a lot more in the spirit 
that I was missing out on and I knew it. So that's when I started to attend Life of Faith Bible Church in Louisville. It was about a 25 minute commute, but totally worth it. So if you're in that area, go to that church. Um, but I started attending this church and, um, it was recommended to me, recommended to me by my dad who had only been there a couple times, but I thought I would try it out. And I could just tell the first visit a shift in my thinking. And I'll tell you what, that this is a little off subject, but the the biggest thing that so many Christians, especially lukewarm Christians, are missing out on is the shift of mindset. You do all the things you're supposed to do. You go to church, you read your Bible, but your mindset has not shifted to things of the spirit they have not shifted to things of God and just being led by the Holy Spirit they're still being led by your own thoughts and your flesh so I started I mean obviously the first time I went to this church I was hooked I could immediately feel start to feel a shift in the way that I thought and um, so I kept going now this is a I think they consider themselves a non-denominational I'm not sure but um, they are a church that believes on laying on of hands being filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues um, all that good stuff so the first time that I uh, went up and had hands laid on me there, um, it was by Pastor Gene. Now, this was really before I knew anyone there. So nobody knew my story. Nobody, <clears throat> nobody knew what I was going through. she laid hands on me and she was receiving a word from God for me and she said you are my bride and at that moment I knew that that was God recognizing what I was going through. That was his confirmation that he was, that he seed, he seed me, that's not a word, that he saw me and that he was going to be there for me. And um, from that moment, I'm I was like, yes, 
this is it. This is the place that I need to be every Sunday and sometimes on Wednesday. Yeah, I didn't go every Wednesday, but I should have. Um, so I was going to this church every Sunday and what it did was change my mindset. So when I would come home and Matt is there in the garage drinking whiskey, spewing all kinds of terrible things at me, cussing at me. Instead of taking that personally, my mind shifted to this being a spiritual battle. I no longer, when he would say terrible things to me, I no longer took his words as Matt saying this to me, obviously they were coming out of his mouth, but I was taking his words as a spiritual attack from the devil. And I, I still had my moments where I would get upset, for sure, but it shifted so much of how I felt when he would just spew the worst possible things you could say to somebody. Like, as an example, he said that I was just a surrogate and that I was not Jackson's mom, which is just the dumbest thing you could ever say, but seriously. But before, I mean, something like that would just tear me up emotionally and mentally. So my mindset changed to this being a spiritual battle. So all of his words that he would spew at me, I took it as the devil trying to get after me, trying to break me down like he was before. He was breaking me down before. I actually had... A, I don't know if you call it a mental breakdown or a panic attack. This has never happened to me before, but I actually had a moment. This is pre-New Church, where he was saying really terrible things to me. I guess it's a panic attack. I don't know, but I just had a moment where I could not even breathe. I was gasping for air. Um, that's how much it, I let it affect me. So, um, so I'm going to this church every Sunday and my mind is being shifted. I'm leaning into the Holy Spirit, which this is going to be another episode, but, uh, so many Christians are just leaving out the Holy Spirit. But I'm leaning into the Holy Spirit in everything that he said and in my reactions. So he would say something hateful to me and I would just say, okay. He would tell me that the Bible is a bunch of baloney and I would say, okay. Because honestly, saying something hateful back, for one, he would laugh at me. 
<laughs> if I tried to say something back in rebuttal to what he would say, he would laugh at me. But you know what I took that as? The devil laughing. So in turn, I started laughing. And I know that might sound crazy to some of you, but he would say crazy stuff to me, like terrible, horrible things to me, and I would laugh. Because <clears throat> I knew what the devil was trying to do, and it wasn't going to work anymore. So... Something that I learned at Life of Faith Bible Church is that I actually have and have been given, and you have too, if you're a born-again Christian, you have been given the authority to cast out demons or evil spirits in your home. You have authority over your home. So I took authority over my home. I would walk around my house and I would pray and I would cast out any demonic presence in the name of Jesus. And I did this consistently. He'd be out in the garage listening to some crazy music and I'd be in the house casting out evil spirits. <laughs> so... And just a little funny side note, you know, he was using a Bluetooth speaker in the garage. And every now and then I would take control of it on my phone from within the house and turn on a Christian song while he was in the garage. Uh, um, usually he'd let the, f the song finish out, but it's just a little funny side note. So I turned this time in my life from being from the devil trying to break me down and make me a broken person to like it's battle time like this is my house this is my family this is my son you have no place here get out that's kind of where my mind was at that point. So, with that, um, Matt had not had a relationship with his mom in a very long time. Uh, I'm not going to get into his past with that. But he had rekindled his relationship with his mom. A lot of people told me that that wasn't good, um, but obviously I had no control over the situation, so um, he rekindled his relationship with his mom. I met her several times. Actually, the first time I met her is at his first, first time he was in the hospital. He, um, now, this is when he moved in with his mom, so these things were happening at her house, and I had no idea he was having seizures, um, and all these crazy things were happening at her house. He was still uh, vomiting every day. So he was in the hospital, apparently on the brink of death, 
Uh, so he was in the hospital for maybe a week because he was having seizures. Um, now this is just because his, his life was consumed with alcohol and he really didn't ingest much else. Um, so he lived with his mom. And you know, I thought of this the other day, um, for a very long time, I took him as moving in with his mom as his, him abandoning his family, which obviously that is still abandonment. Um, obviously at this point he was no longer working. He was so consumed with drinking alcohol and really medically he was so sick. He had a lot of health concerns, health issues that he couldn't work anymore, but somehow by the grace of God, he was still getting paid. Um, now that I think about it, when he moved in with his mom, maybe that was because I was taking authority over that home and I was not allowing any demonic spirit to be in that home. I didn't have control over Matt and whatever was going on with him, but I had authority over my house. And maybe that's why he left. Maybe that's why he moved out because he absolutely was oppressed by demonic spirits, no doubt. Um, and maybe that's why he left. I don't know. I could be wrong, but um, I had that thought like a few months ago. Uh, anyway, so he lives with his mom. Uh, he's been in and out of the hospital several times. Um, occasionally he would show up to the house. He drank and drove all the time. He would show up to the house drunk, um, usually just to grab something and leave. But if he showed up drunk, I, I told him he needed to leave. I didn't want him to be around Jackson like that. Um, one time he showed up and I had given him a book. I left it at his mom's house just to see if he would read it. Uh, and he did read some of it, but he showed up at the house and was, he was drunk. He was laughing at me that I gave him that book saying that I was trying to act like I was smarter than him, that I was dumb, that he's way smarter than me, that he's way above me, yada yada. Uh, by this point, his words did not affect me. But when he would laugh the way that he did, just something in me just, it felt demonic to me. So that moment when he pulled in and he was spewing all these things at me, I stood right there by his truck and said, in the name of Jesus, no demonic spirit will be here. This is my house and I have authority of it and you must leave. Well, he left. <laughs> um, so... So he had a lot of hospital visits, in and out of the hospital all the time. 
um, he had a friend, someone that he had known through where he worked. Um, his wife had actually gone and visited Matt when he was at his mom's. And she found out some information that I had never heard before. So he had always said that he met Jesus in the garage. Um, he told me that he met Jesus in the garage. And that pretty much he had some kind of, he didn't use this word, but some kind of superpowers. He said that he could control the weather. He could make the stars blink. He got into all this weird space astrology stuff. Uh, he had tons of crazy, weird, demonic photos on his phone. Um, just lots of, just lots of demonic stuff. Um, and what I had found out from her is that he actually, this being that he met in the garage was actually a dark angel. Um, his name, the name is not coming to my mind at the moment, but it's supposed to be one of the angels that was cast out of heaven along with Satan. Um, but he told her that he saw a dark angel. He met a dark angel with big black wings in the garage. Now, you'll you'll pro you're you are probably thinking oh he was on drugs or he was hallucinating or whatever it may be well that's the that's a fleshy thought sure but i am still on the spiritual battle so i'm taking this spiritually anything that happens i'm taking the spiritual road here um so he says he sees a dark angel with big black wings in the garage. He also said that he felt like he was struck by lightning in the garage and actually fell to the floor. Now, who else is referenced as being struck down like lightning? The devil? So he also had an obsession with lightning. Um, another time he was in the hospital and uh, Pastor Stephen from Life of Faith went and saw him. And he said that he kept seeing flies all around the nurses. Now he's in the hospital. He's not on Adderall. He's not on alcohol. Um... And kept saying that he was seeing flies in the hospital around the nurses and stuff. And Pastor Stephen, well, the devil is referenced or uh, is referenced in the Bible as the Lord of the Flies. So, to me, that's just more confirmation that this is, or this was a spiritual battle. So, we come to... his last hospital stay 
which was last September. Um, it's just so crazy how that all happened. Um, he was in the hospital at, in Frankfurt. Um, he was there. And then for some reason, that crazy hospital allowed him to leave. So he walks back to his mom's, which is, I don't know, maybe a 10 or 15 minute walk, but he's totally like not healthy. It should not be walking out. So the hospital should not have left him let, let him leave. Um, so I'm trying to find out where he is. Cause I call that hospital and they say he's not there. I ask his mom, she say he's not there. So she goes out looking for him and finds him laying on the ground somewhere around her house. Um, like half dead. So some, somehow she gets him into her car and takes him back to the hospital. So he's back at Frankfurt Medical. I go and visit him and see him there. Um, he, he has extremely low blood pressure. Every time he sits up, he faints. So it just wasn't good. I mean, he was very intoxicated. Where he got the alcohol, I don't know. But he was very intoxicated. He had low blood pressure. It, just another not great situation. So he gets transferred to a hospital in Louisville because he needs uh, a blood transfusion. I think that was why he got transferred. Um, so he gets transferred to the hospital in Louisville. And the first night they was there, they, call, they called me in the middle of the night and said, I don't think he's going to make it the rest of the night. You need to get here. Well, I was home with Jackson and it's the middle of the night. So... There was no way I was going to take Jackson in the middle of this situation. Um, my parents lived in Florida, so I just, I just kind of let it ride and prayed and wanted the guidance of the Holy Spirit on what I should do, because I could have found somebody to watch him, but. I just was not feeling a push to go. So the next day, um, I don't remember what day it actually was, but um, so I go to the hospital, you know, he's there hooked up on like eight different machines, different medications to get his blood pressure up. He's on a ventilator. Um, it wasn't good. It was very different compared to the many other times he had been in the hospital. Um, he was still responsive. Um, but just in responsive in the fact that he could hear you and squeeze your hand, but that was it. So, um, I really just just kept praying for him 
and was praying life for him, just speaking life over him. And my pastor was doing the same thing, speaking life over him. And, um, you know, some of his family was talking about when to let him go, to like take him off the ventilator. But I was not going to make that decision. I mean, that decision was up to me because I was his wife, but I was not going to put that in my hands. I wasn't putting Matt's life in my hands. Um, so that was off the table. Um, but just kept praying for him. Just kept speaking like life over him. And um, my dad had flown in from Florida and literally came from the airport straight to the hospital had his suitcase and everything so it was me my dad and my brother and we're all just sitting there and all of a sudden his machine starts beeping because his heartbeat stopped So, I had told them that if that happened, I did want them to try to revive him. Um, I think anybody's life is worth fighting for, no matter what they've done. So, I wanted them to do that. I wanted to give him... I wanted to give him any possible chance to live. So we all step out. And there's tons of uh, hospital staff in there performing CPR and trying to revive him. They do it twice. And a doctor comes to me and asks me if I want them to continue. And I just wanted a second to pray on it. Um, I did not want to make any immediate reactive decisions. So... Um... Now, this is just last September, so this is that's why I'm still a little emotional over it. Um, it was very overwhelming. But I just want to say I am okay. So I just I haven't really told all of this to one, to one person all at one time in a long time. So... I'm kind of revisiting things, I guess you could say. Um, so, they apparently, they give him some sort of injection. That I, I don't know if it's like epinephrine or, I don't know, something that kind of causes a jolt to um, the body. 
they do it twice. They do the CPR and the chest pumps and everything. And the doctor comes to me and wants to know what I want him to do. And I needed a second to just think on it. Um, and then they had already given a third dose of something. So they just went ahead and did it for a third time. And I knew that I was going to have to make a decision. So I just prayed in that moment that God would show me or tell me what to do. And he gave me a vision of Jesus holding Matt's hand, walking into heaven. And I knew right then that was it. That was enough. So I told him to stop. And that was it. His earthly body had died. And he was in heaven with Jesus. And, um, I had, I had the love of God and peace just flow over me. Like never before. And I could never, for the rest of my life, express my gratitude for that moment, for giving me that vision and giving me the peace that I needed after that. So, um, yeah, that... <sighs> That's the biggest part of my testimony. Um, I mean, God just continues to take care of me and Jackson in a way nobody else could. Um, we now live in Florida, where my parents live, and... Um, it's just, you know, it's had its challenges. Life is never not going to have challenges. But all of that happening in my life has just totally shifted my mind. And um, I will forever be unapologetically... Um, just a lover of God and his word and always seeking guidance by the Holy Spirit. Um, 
I know that there's people that go through similar things whether it's alcohol abuse, verbal abuse, uh, demonic activity, whatever it may be. Um, but something I had uh, spoken about at his funeral was that while the pastor and I were praying for life and speaking life over him. It wasn't earthly life that ended up happening, but it was eternal. And I wasn't 100% on whether he had given his life to Christ. Um whether he had been saved I didn't know um, and maybe that's something that in the spiritual or in the spirit that happened between him and God or him and Jesus but that vision was the confirmation so um, yeah that testimony is part of why I'm here. It's just stirred up a lot of things in me that I feel like need to be shared. And um, I just hope that you continue to tune in. And when you hear something that maybe in the past you haven't agreed with, instead of immediately having a negative thought look into it yourself don't go off of something that somebody has said to you that even a pastor has said to you go off of what the bible says and um and start to work on your mindset because it will change your life and it gives God so much more to work with. It just opens doors in ways you can't imagine. And um, yeah, that's my testimony. Thanks for listening in today. If this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to subscribe and leave a review. I would also love to hear from you. My Instagram link is below, or you can email me at herlifeanew at gmail.com. Be blessed.